The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield this afternoon. Susan should be back in tomorrow. But talking the trade with us today is Don Rose, U.S. Commodities. Don, thanks for being able to come on and talk with us on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Let's start here in the grain trade today and really seeing green across the screen. This being sparked somewhat over the weekend by talks between U.S. and Mexico. Mexico looking like it'll fulfill its border promises. What's your take on the new news of the trade? Yeah, you know, I think it was on Friday, of course, it was a risk-off type of trade, you know, fears that maybe we're going to have uh, some kind of a positive outcome from the tariff concerns with uh, Mexico. Of course, that was a positive and did get resolved, at least for right now. And so we did have a risk-on trade again, uh, particularly in the livestock. So I think what you have to remember is Mexico is our largest uh, trading partner on corn, wheat, and uh, pork. So, you know, they're a big client, and it certainly showed up today with the market coming back uh, on the uh, meat market and on the grain market. Now, something else coming out, the President Trump has talked before that Mexico would maybe make some additional buys. That doesn't really look to be materializing. Has the trade already kind of factored this in and just kind of given that as, as just Trump rhetoric? Well, you know, I think the thing that we have to uh, remember is these trade negotiations are very delicate, and, you know, it's easy to say something, and then it's harder to fulfill on it. So I think the trade is being just more cautious on how they respond and really looking at it as kind of the Missouri attitude, we, uh, the show me. Let's see something before we uh, add a lot of risk premium uh, to that market, particularly right now where we're really at is we're kind of focusing on, and we've dialed in a lot of weather a lot of supply supply problems, uh, particularly in corn. And so now it really comes up to the demand. And the demand is kind of elusive here with South America selling an awful lot of grain in, around the world and particularly into uh, China. So I think it's, it's more of a cautious type of attitude by the trade. And then you had the opportunity to spend the we, the winter in South America, Central America, taking in a lot of information of what they've got going on right now. Kind of give us a picture of what your winter looked like and some of the major things you saw there. Yeah, I do. I kind of go down into that uh, Central Southern uh, uh, America in the winter half for uh, <clears throat> a number of years, 15 years. But, you know, I think the thing that you see particularly uh, from year to year is you continue to see South America growing in their overall production uh, efficiencies continue to grow. Their infrastructure continues to expand. Their port systems continue to expand. So I guess what I'm really saying is their competition continues, uh, from our standpoint, continues to ramp up. And then I think really these uh, trade concerns that we have, uh, you know, really open up the door for them to kind of muscle into some of our uh, old line customers, not only uh, China, but even uh, even Mexico, uh, which is is quite a shocker. So, um, but but. The production down uh, down south is just very similar to here in the U.S. The only real difference, I would say, is that their farms, uh, for the most part, uh, are larger. Um, and I think the uh, the other thing that uh, when you look at they have an advantage from their currency, their real. So those two things really give them uh, a little bit more of an advantage. They don't have the infrastructure that we have here in the United States. So um, China's helping them develop that. You see an awful lot of Chinese uh, working and uh, kind of forging some alliances. 
looking down the road as you continue to see this progressive movement and now the the investment as well to build that infrastructure to make them even more competitive what does that mean for u.s producers going down the road well, I think when you look at it, Clay, this year highlights it really. We've probably had one of the uh, uh, the more historical uh, problems from uh, loss of acres, particularly corn acres. Who knows yet on the yield? But I think it's quite disappointing that we rallied up again. This is the fifth year in a row that we really haven't been able to clear uh, the 450 mark with any uh, any momentum. We go up to the 440, 450 area on December corn, and we we get beat back. And the, I think from our perspective, one of the dominant reasons we do is because South America just has this uh, monster crop that they continue to uh, push in the market. When we have problems, they're using that to take advantage. For example, Argentina and Brazil, the combined crop this year is 1.5 billion bushels larger than it was last year. Now, last year, they had a dry, droughty situation, and that's one of the reasons um, that that their exports uh, kind of took a, a backstage, uh, if you will. But um, it really is the competition. It's this time of year that they use for a marketing advantage. And just to remind you, Brazil right now on their second corn crop is uh, – uh, selling that into the market. Argentina selling their crop into the market that basically is getting pretty far along on their harvest on corn and soybeans. But it's the other uh, thing that you have a big portion of Brazil uh, that can grow two crops, and that's real issue here when you look at the heart of the Midwest. Obviously, we get one crop. Of course, as you go south, you can do double crop with uh, soybeans coming behind wheat. Uh, but for the most part, they have an advantage uh, from the currency. They have an advantage from uh, from from the uh, double cropping, and uh, those are required issues. Of course, we have the advantage because we have a built-out infrastructure, which has been very expensive to build, and they have to build that yet. We've got about 60 seconds left here, Don. As we look, we've got the WASDE coming out tomorrow as well. What are your thoughts going into that report? Well, just to remind the uh, the trade is that t- typically the WASDE does not really change the acres in this report. It's usually the yield minorly and minorly on corn more than uh, anything else. So I think watch if they if the acres come down uh, on on uh, corn or soybeans. I think they're sell- sending a signal that's going to come down a lot more uh, as we go forward. Now remember June 30th that we're going to have the report the uh, acre updated, and then they're probably going to have to do a special prevent plant uh, survey in July that will be released in August to catch these prevent plant acres. But this is a historical year, and uh, we have almost no margin of error in case we get into a hot, dry situation, a weather problem, if you will, in the summer, or an early end to the uh, growing season, an early frost, if you will. So our margin of error has really shrunk. It's disappointing that we weren't able to clear 450 with all the issues, but as South America is causing uh, uh, the issue with it. Don Rose, U.S. Commodities on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. Don Rose with U.S. Commodities talking with a trade with us today on our first segment, focusing more on the grain side today, which had a positive day in return following positive news over the weekend between the U.S. and Mexico. No tariffs going into place today. That is all we're all seem to stimulate the bulls out. Now let's switch gears, Don, and look over here at the livestock side. And that is again in the green. We've got a limit up move in the live cattle complex on that August contract. Do you think this is also stimulating from that Mexico talk and and looking down the road? Is this positive for USMCA talks? 
Yeah, I think when you look at it, I think, of course, Friday was a market that was a risk-off trade with a concern about tariffs being put on to Mexico. Well, of course, we didn't over the weekend. At least we suspended them for right now. But, you know, put the hog market down the limit just to recap and put the cattle down sharply right at the tail end. So it was kind of a rebalancing back here today. But I think when you look at the cattle, one, it is a positive, our negotiations with uh, Mexico. Of course, they're one of our largest trading partners, our number one trading partner, our number two trading partner right behind Canada. So they're very important. But I think the cattle market where we're really at is it was just a, a poor spring. Our grilling season, our number one demand season, grilling season of the year is May. We all know how May was. It was just a, a, a poor, wet, cold uh, uh, start. So we backed up some beef, and we pushed the beef forward, and you can't get away from that. We lost some demand, and that pushed the futures market uh, down more than it should have on the board. Um, actually, if you take a typical seasonal break on the cattle, we should we should have stalled out on uh, August cattle around 109 to 110. That's where the cash should actually stall out, too. So when the futures market on Friday went down to uh, you know under 103 it was just too low on August so today you bounce back uh, limit up so we think that the uh, futures cash uh, are both putting in a bottom here the upside is going to be all dependent on the demand our export pace has been soft but you know our overall supplies uh, you know our, our export pace down three percent for the year the old adage and the old fundamental way to look between the grains and the livestock, you know, corn goes up, that's more than likely going to put feeder pressure against the feeder cattle contracts. Today we see corn up, but we also see feeders making some really solid gains. Does this show this is more of a technical move in the livestock, or is it the fact that we still have some room and some uh, some margin here with the grains where they're at? Well, you know, and I think it does, Clay, you're right, because we have an inverse relationship usually for corn and feeders. So if the corn market comes under pressure, the feeders usually go up. It's the rate of gain uh, uh, situation. So I think where we're, where we're at right now is the corn market is still trying to top out. We had bare spreads in the uh, corn today. That's not a positive. That's a bit of a negative. But, you know, I think the feeders just got a little too cheap. Uh, and then I think with the uh, cash, with the uh, cattle, uh, cash cattle probably bottoming here last week, and the futures market moving to the upside, corn market kind of stalling out from the rally up, all adds up to some technical buying uh, by in the feeder cattle pit. And you know the funds, Clay, want to want to maintain this long ownership in cattle. They're still long about forty-eight thousand contracts of cattle, down seventeen thousand on the week, but just a desire to stay long at these discounts in the market in the futures market. Going back and playing off the knowledge again of you wintering over in South America, Central America, you got to see a lot of the progress they've made on the crop side. Are they advancing equally as well over on their livestock and their feeding operations? Well, they definitely are. Remember on the cattle down in Brazil, they're basically a grass-fed uh, animal. But uh, China is the largest consumer of beef in the world, and Brazil is the largest exporter of beef in the world. So uh, in the United States, to put it in, uh, in perspective, we sell almost no beef to uh, China. So um, somehow we've got to see if we can muscle in on their uh, beef market, much as they've muscled in on our grain market. So that's the job going forward. But they're, uh, uh, of course, Brazil's always been known for their beef, uh, and, uh, and they're also ramping up their pork production pretty aggressively as they're starting to uh, build ethanol plants uh, also in uh, Brazil. 
Now, looking out to some outside market factors as well, the U.S. dollar index, the greenback, taking some hits last week, really getting pushed down. But today, it's it's coming around. It's trying to overcome some technical barriers. What, what's your thoughts here on the turnaround in the dollar? Well, you know, I think the dominant issue in the dollar is the fact we're the best of the worst. Of course, you know, uh, we have a tremendous amount of debt. We're not managing it very well. But the other countries are even worse than we are. So I think that's the big issue. And I think when you look at uh, the uh, the interest rates, uh, when we were going higher, that really pushed uh, the dollar higher. But uh, our interest rates, while they're trying to move lower, uh, to put it in perspective, we're still kind of high versus the world. Japan has basically a zero interest rate. You look at the Brazil, their bond, uh, the 10-year uh, is is actually at a negative 0.22. So it's hard to believe you can have some of these major economies, uh, uh, Germany with a negative interest rate. We still ha- have a positive interest rate. And, of course, China has an interest rate uh, even higher than we do. So... Uh, I think the dollar is all about interest rate uh, movement and the stability of our economy. And, you know, of course, we're the largest economy in the world, followed by China. Again, Don Rose, U.S. Commodities, joining us on the Fontenelle Final Bell. For more information, give U.S. Commodities a call, 1-800-247-4071. Again, thank you to Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local seed dealers for their sponsorship and support of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.